What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack, whether that's chips, beers, or tacos, and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. Today's guest of the Halftime Snacks is the most extraordinary guest we've ever hosted in the show. Let me tell you guys why. This man is a legendary businessman. Not only he lives in the Bahamas, but he's a venture capital expert with a passion for startups, sports and technology. Our guest was one of the first employees at Red Bull in the 1990s and that was literally his last job. In the last 20 years, he has founded, managed, and sold several businesses, investments, and accelerated projects. Together with the Adi Dassler family, our guest co-founded Lead Sports, a global powerhouse for sports tech entrepreneurship and investments. Lead is an entity that sources, funds, and grows early-stage sports and health tech startups globally. I can't wait to learn from him, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Christoph Sonnen. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the words. Uh, happy to be here. As we just discussed a minute ago, it would be preferable in Mexico City with you, but <laughs> cool, we changed a lot. So thanks for the warm welcome words. Man, it's my here. it's my pleasure, Christoph. How are you doing today? Um, really good. Really good. Thank you. It's a good day here. Great, man. That's awesome. I'm so jealous that you're actually in the Bahamas. I wish that I would be there with you. Uh, but so too bad we have to make it in, in Zoom. Next one is going to be on, on, on the Bahamas man, or in Mexico City. <laughs> exactly. One of the other. <laughs> man, first of all, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm so excited to share with you that this is episode number 52, meaning the one year anniversary of this show. So I'm super excited that this show features actually one of the greatest uh, and most influential icons in the sports industry such as yourself Christoph so it's it's my pleasure and my honor to have you here and I want to kick our conversation off with a super quick icebreaker and I want to ask you what is one fun fact that not so many people know about you oh so first of all happy birthday thank you man um I think like most people think because I'm a, I'm always like smiling. I'm always like a really like happy person. Um, and maybe people think because of like, if everybody's friend, if I'm friendly to everybody and smiling all day long, like people think probably I take things a bit light. Um, and I would say it's the opposite, but it's, <laughs> it's actually good that, <laughs> that that gives me the time to, to really think and digest because people sometimes think like, okay, he's like um, more, more on the lighter side on the, on the happier side and not too deep thinking. I think it's the opposite, but uh, I prefer in that, to be in that show, actually. So I think that's the one thing probably people would not think right away when they meet me. For sure, <laughs> for sure friends and long-term business partners know that, but like not when you meet me for the first time. <laughs> that's great, man. That's I think that's an, uh, an awesome icebreaker, a great way to kick off the show. 
And man, I'm so excited because we're gonna talk about so many things uh, related to you, to your background, to your story, to sports tech startups and uh, in early stage investments and everything that you've been doing with Lead. But what about we start off with some interesting fact about you that I loved is that you are from South Africa originally and that you were a big, uh, well, you still are a big wave surfer. So I wanna just, start with that and I want to ask you what is special for you about big wave surfing and in what ways has it shaped your mindset in business in life in lead and everything that you do hey thanks a rich question um, let me try to answer it it's it's actually like surfing was first right because I started as a kid as you mentioned and before I did any business or thinking about life as you asked me um, I was just surfing right so Let's start with that. Surfing brought me around the world. It was not just Africa. Um, it was, I went to many, many amazing places around the world. Um, I met great people. And with that, at that place, as it was this amazing people, um, I realized like surfing has a special and really, really own culture. Um, and I think we're going to emphasize on this a little bit more later. Um, so this surfing... It was not just about like people and places and their own really culture, but if you think about it, surfing is really much about timing. So think about you have a wave, you're going out in the ocean. It's it's somewhat a big or even larger effort to swim out in the, in the ocean, right? Um, and now you have to catch a wave. Um, and for those trying to make it easy for the, you can imagine it's like hardcore swimming at least in your wild ocean, deep sea. Um, and now you want to catch a wave, right? So now it's, first of all, if you catch a too small wave, it is no, it's pointless because you're swimming in an ocean and you have a little, little, little tiny wave. There's no fun to it and it cannot even like push you forward, right? Okay, so choose your battle. If you take a too big wave, right? You might get injured, you might get hurt, it may be too much. So you want to like at the right time finding like the right size of a wave. And... And also like when you approach the wave, so you now you pick your wave, you're approaching the wave. Again, it's about the timing. You may be too slow. The wave going to run to you. That's not a really good experience, to be honest. Or you'll be too early, which is even worse. Um, because if you're too early, this whole wave going to crush on you. So it's for me, it's all about timing and surfing and people, places, culture. And that was before I thought about business and life. And I think in that way, when it, When I grew up and started my own business um, and thinking about life, which you do when you get a little bit older, <laughs> um, I think I was really blessed to have what I call the secret source of people, places, culture, and the right timing learned from surfing for business and for my, my life. And when you think about like business, even like, especially with startups, right? Startups, that when, the, when the founders they start their companies, right? They often, and it's shocking to me, they really start thinking really technical. And let me explain that to answer your question. Usually, like a company is looking, when they want to grow, they want to attract investments. They have everything done right, right? They crushed the numbers, they've provided a business plan, it's all solid, they have a compelling story. But yet, there's no guarantee this, this components will ever deliver success. But they're seeing on a technical way they have delivered. So back to the secret sauce, an additional ingredient, which is for me the most important, and it's hard to capture on spreadsheet. It requires 
the entrepreneur almost tune into something else. It is really think about people, places, culture, and the right timing for your business. And I think that often got forgotten. It's all about timing. I love it. I love it. Can you remember the first time or the moment you were first introduced to the business and technology side of sports? Um, maybe it was somehow related to Red Bull, but I want to hear it from you and hear the story. And I want to know exactly the moment that that happened. How did it align with your personal values and your identity? Or have you been a sports fan all your life and out of a sudden you were introduced to it and you were like, of course, I want to be part of it. Or was it something different? I'm just curious just to know how you were introduced to it and, uh, and how did it align to you and who you were? Wow. Yeah. We have to go a couple of decades back. Um, and that was long, long, long time ago. I'm not sure exactly of the year. We have to look it probably up like that, but it's definitely like in the early nineties. Um, I was, I was just with Red Bull, as you mentioned. Um, and obviously like in the nineties, most people don't remember it. Um, but Red Bull was really, really strong in only extreme sports. So Red Bull at that time wouldn't sponsor an indie, in a team, for example, wouldn't be in soccer, wouldn't be like anywhere, would be just basically in whatever the definition of extreme sport was in the 90s. So that was what we did. And in that regard, we looked at the radar guns, you know, like how you measure speed with the cars and whatsoever. And we wanted to use it for our extreme sports. So basically measuring speed. Now the audience is going to say, well, That's like, that's an easy thing. Well, not, not in the 90s, right? <laughs> Early 90s, there was no measurements with radar guns in sports, right? So, and I was super excited about it because we, we saw the use of like skateboarding, snowboarding, surfing, like how we can measure speed and all of this, right? Um, for our extreme sports. So I heard that IBM has a new technology, a surf speed technology for tennis. So I actually went to the, Wimbledon final and was in early 90s we look up the year later um, and they basically had the first time at the Wimbledon final a radar speed surf speed technology so they could be able for the first time to measure how fast the surf of the players is and guess who was in the final it was Michael Stich from Germany he was a ch challenger and Boris Becker who was a champion Right? And they were hammering the balls, and you could see like how fast the surface. Now, for, for all of us now, it's standard, but that was the first, the first like breakthrough moment, right? Michael's Michael won actually, which was shocking for all of us, even they're both Germans. Um, and that was basically this IBM surf speed technology. And in that moment, I realized like, hey, this is gonna change like how it's gonna change fan engagement. It's gonna change like the viewership going to change the broadcasting because all of a sudden like i'm not looking like getting back right left right left all of a sudden i get like one data information which i personally really like and then i was wondering hey what's the heart rate of this guys what's the pulse like what, what other things are there which like affect the game but there was again i must be like early 90s was this the moment where you realized that this was going to be something huge I think I didn't realize it's huge. It just caused me like a personal interest. Mm. Like, and then we, we had like, a, and we wanted to use it in, um, in extreme sports. 
And, and I realized this is like for the viewership, but I didn't think about the monetization or anything because mm-hmm. I was with Red Bull. We could care less. We just wanted to, you know, support the extreme sport. Um, but that was like really like the first breakthrough moment, I would say. I want to touch on what we mentioned a little bit on, on riding waves, the timing and the importance of how, uh, how to detect and ride it. Um, let's transfer this, this, this term waves as to something that happens also in business and of course in personal life you know there's there's trends there's problems that come along uh such as such as waves in the ocean so i want to know if you can decode if you can just describe the way that you think or the mental model that you have for detecting writing and solving waves in your life or in business or uh how how do you like what's what's your strategy to figure out what's coming and how to like set yourself position yourself in a way that you are going to be riding that wave at the exact uh, moment in the perfect timing yeah no happy to do it. I, i think it comes back to the secret source right and let's let's emphasize on this a little bit deeper so there's was a four points um four ingredients is people places culture and the timing let's go one by one i think the most important is the people so who's your team who are your teammates like who are you competing with are you, you you're going to be the challenger you're not going to be the champion otherwise we nobody would listen so i think like everybody here like the audience they're all like good challengers they want to create something um, and they're not like the market leader so far right we want to change that so it's all about like what people you have in your core team always get the best people, you know, like this for sure, create, but also like what people you're working with, right? It's not just like your own team, your own like teammates. It's, it's like who are even your clients, like pick, pick the best people to work with. I think it's really, really important. People say that all the time. Um, but if you put it in the context of places and culture, it gets a little bit more straight. So if you have surrounded by the right people, And it may be your family, it may be your best friends, it may be like new people, it doesn't matter. Um, if And you empower those people, together with you, you're going to be at a great place, no matter what. Because like if you have great people and you listen to your great people, you're going to be at, a, at the perfect places. If you're at the right place and have the right people, it's easy to create a culture. It's going to be automatically. Like you're going to have like a good, good company culture, a good personal culture. And with the right people at the right place and that together is your entrepreneurship that together is how you build like successful for whatever um, vision you have and now it comes back to, to the wave and to surfing now don't be too early that's bad because like there's many many examples in business life um, and companies where people are too early and also like don't be too late, right? It's like, if you're too late, if you wait too long, um, it was your decisions, that's horrible too. And then the wave just gonna run over you. And I think like, if you think about Red Bull, it's a perfect example of a perfect timing. And sometimes it's by the way, just luck, right? So that's full stop because nobody had time to think, oh, what is the right decade to launch Red Bull? <laughs> no, it was the right right place, right culture, was the right people. Um, but if you would launch a chemical drink today, so I say that, right? maybe like not the healthiest it would fail right if you would launch it in the 70s it would fail right so the 90s was extreme sports with, with all the things around in the, in the spirit of time and the zeitgeist was exactly the right moment to launch it 
and maybe that was just lucky. And I think so, but it doesn't matter. Um, for us entrepreneurs, it's important to understand when is the right time. And also, it's like, when is the right time to power on my success? When is the right time to wait? Sometimes it's good to wait. Wait, you have something you want to discuss with a business partner, with your team. Also find the right time. Right? It's not just like, oh, I have it on my to-do list today. Maybe the others are not ready or maybe you're already a little bit late and you forget about it. It's all about timing. I think that uh, the coronavirus pandemic has challenged a little bit in terms of like the people that you surround yourself with in the place where you are, because now you can connect with anywhere in the world, uh, anyone anywhere in the world. And you can also be in many places at the same time. Like we are right now, we are able to connect. You're in the Bahamas. I'm in Mexico City. We're able to have a conversation. And but but we're going to talk about that later. I want to talk on specifically on one of the things that you mentioned that is the the, the type of people that you surround yourself with. And given that you've been, you know, uh, you've listened to thousands of presentations of uh, startups in sports and you've seen so many founders come and go, you've seen some some that have been successful, you've seen some that you thought were going to be successful and failed, you've seen some that failed, and probably you also seen some that uh, you thought they were going to fa fail, but they were, ended up being successful. So I want to I turn on, on that, I want to dig a little bit deeper on the traits that you look for in startup founders um, that make you really want to get involved in whatever it is that they're doing, what is What is what are the things that you really you need to see to be convinced that you want to get involved and work with them in one way or another? Yeah, um, I think firstly it's really important to have a vision and articulate it in the strongest way as possible. Right? So, what is your vision and how you actually can articulate it? So, some people have a strong vision but they can't articulate it. That's already scary, right? Um, some are articulating it really well, but the vision is not good. So I think like having a strong vision and articulating it, it's really important. Number two, in that to that point is basically like you need to lead it. So okay, have a you need to have a great vision. You need to be able to articulate it, and you need to show that you actually can lead your vision. Right? And again, may some founders have a strong vision and they can articulate it, but they cannot lead it. So that's already like. A couple of watch outs here. Then next is like passion. For me, it's super, super, super important to have passion. It's not about like, hey, what happened in the next five years, 10 years, the business plan, like we talked about secret source versus like technologies. So, but if you have that, if you have a vision, you can articulate it, you can lead it, and you're passionate about it. That's that's perfect, right? Because then all also you're gonna hire the right people. And as we mentioned before, for me, it's like business is really much a people business, even like in COVID times, especially in COVID times. So you have to have that strong, strong passion and, and like be able to, to entertain and excite people, right? If you, if you can't do that, it doesn't matter. And, and if you can do that, it doesn't matter how big your vision is because like, I'm going to believe you have a, you're going to have a bigger vision next year. Right? It's like, because you're excited, you're on the right track, you have a vision, you can lead it and you're really passionate about it and people are going to follow you. So that's, that's what it is. And, and sometimes like when we write business plans and uh, go to all the Excel sheets and come from universities, people forget about that. Right. 
And then lastly, it's a bit dry one, but hey, you have to be able to fundraise and never ever run out of money. <laughs> this is like, and there's a lot of founders there, like that. Ah, yeah, my co-founders dealing with it, or like, no, I hire like somebody in like a business finder or somebody. No, 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 no. It's on you because only one person has a or or a team has a strong vision, can articulate it, can lead it, has this amazing passion to other people follow because of this and then you are the person who needs to do the fundraising and make sure like being responsible and never run out of money that's very very interesting uh christoph i think that the last one is really um just a trade of sales you know know how to sell you know if you really believe in your idea and you can lead it then why you can't sell it right is it like yes. you should be able to to fundraise uh, unless that it's really a bad idea but yeah. then then that would be, you know, a conversation for another time. <laughs> yeah, but even then you find people that tell you, hey, you know what, it's a non-profit. I still support you on a non-profit base um, because I like you, right? I like working with you. I like your, what you're doing. I don't think it's ever going to make money, but it's still going to help you, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I want to talk about uh, Leave, the company, and the accelerator, the entity that you currently run. Um, it's a big organization. You have offices. We were speaking about this before our call. You have offices in Jerusalem. You have office in, in Tokyo, in Orlando, in Berlin. Um, so it's a very global, uh, the lead has a global presence and you as the CEO, as the leader, as the co-founder, I want to know what is your mindset in terms of growing lead? What are the strategic decisions that drive most of the the growth in this global expansion that you're you're driving with lead? I want I want you to think about like the Pareto principle, you know, the 80/20, the 20 thing, 20% of the things drive 80% of the outcome. So I want to ask you if you can tell us the 20% of the strategic uh element of lead that drives 80% of the growth um, and whatever it is that you're thinking about strategically. Wow. So we're going in the science of success. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so what you say is there's a Pareto principle. It's basically like 20% causes and 80 creates 80% effect. That's that's what everybody like wants. And I think, again, you have to have people, places, culture and the right timing. And a big chunk of luck is always good to have. So if you ask me, like, what is it, what is the two most strategic decisions or importance for lead sports and health tech partner? It's first, we have to see two components. Number one is where you invest in, because we're investors, right? And that's our business. And who you're investing with. So where is the money basically coming from? Is it your own money? Is it like, and, and where is the, the source of it? So two things, like founders you want to invest in and then your organization like investing into these companies. So number one, we created the true global ecosystem in sports and health. And what I mean by that is when we went out six years ago um, with the family of Adidasla, um, we traveled the world and we thought We're going to be a non-profit, back to my point before. We didn't have a business plan. We truly thought, okay, it was my sports background and even more important was the sports background of the family from the grandchildren from Adidasla. We realized six years ago, sports definitely going to be disrupted to technology and it's now. 
So it was six years ago. So we went out and met, we traveled like almost a year to all countries in the world, almost all countries. And, and it didn't matter like how large the organization or, the, or small the startups was, it doesn't matter. We met literally like everybody who was out there. And we had like great discussions with them with great, like really, really good meetings. And we realized this young people, 19 to the oldest was probably 23. They're going to change the sports industry. It's not the sports industry itself. It was not the federations. It's boring six years ago, right? It's not the Olympic committee, boring FIFA. No, 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 no. It was this startup. Startups where we realized in the next 10 years, they're going to change the whole game, so to say. Now, we were like non non. We thought we'd do something non-profit. We just wanted to help them. So we came in for something nice, and we understood that they all need help. They need help to federations. They need help to 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 the contacts we actually had, right? And we was like, hey, we give you this contacts. We called right away people. We made connections, and we created really strong friendship. We didn't start reinvesting because we didn't see ourselves at that moment six years ago as investors, but we connected the dots. Now. The startups actually came to us and say, but we also need money. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> let us let us think like how we can help you there. And then we created a whole lead sports and health tech partners. So, and we never like you, you talk to any many other organizations, but they're taking money from startups. Okay. They're providing a service and they're in some form, if you look at it in the depths, they're basically like selling the innovation or like they, they're directly asking for fees, right? We never did that. It's it's for us, it's like anybody can call me and say like, hey, I have an idea. I'm going to try to help the company. Not if I'm invested or not invested, it doesn't matter, right? It's just like this This is a really own, as a, as a sports, as an athlete, you want to do that, right? You want to help like the challengers. That's, that's all sport about. So, and having said that, we created our like own true global ecosystem. And that how we did that is with 20% courses. That was like when we went out, when we would be true, like when we stay in contact with all these people and companies. And the effect is amazing because it gives us the biggest deal flow ever. And I compete with anybody out there. I'm going to say like, listen, this is thousands of thousands of companies we're in contact with and we have the opportunity to invest. So the effect is actually 80% or even more to your um, Pareto principle. Now, we have that amazing deal flow, unheard of deal flow. And again, every day, happy to be challenged as part of the sports too. And being an athlete, the next one is like how we invest in most of them or in the best ones and how we pick them. And when we went out, we realized sports is young and it's global. It's really much global, right? So in America, Americans have tendencies to invest in American companies. Um, the French has tendencies to invest in, in, in French companies, right? So it's, that's what it is. There is a little bit of, oh, there is a region, regional aspect to it. But for us, it was global. It was young. Because we met all the people around the world, and we realized that they're young and then the beginning. So the, the Adidas family and myself, we were thinking, can we cover the whole world? Everybody's calling us now from different time zones and they say, hey, can you come by? In India, in Korea, in Argentina, in the US, in Berlin, in Jerusalem. We're like, oh, we can't. Like that kind of like we can come back on a roadshow for a year and meet you in four months, but we can't like be there on a daily basis, right? Um, and we realized we need partners, less for like 
also for money because we realize the investments ticket size is going to be larger and larger and larger but mainly to be there to be have a, have a presence in all this country so our goal was like filing a shareholder group which we call the club deal where everybody is like has equal rights and go into the club deal and be there for the startups in their countries so have a have a shareholder in brazil have a shareholder in jerusalem have a shareholder in japan and they're basically like becoming like um part of us being an active investor yes investing but also like taking care of the regional regional companies and again by doing that it's kind of like a snowball effect the first we had like six now we have like about 25 um and, and there's 25 members of the club our shareholders they're basically all actively investing they're trusting the other 24 because they're owning the same club called lead right um and they all want to support the startups. And again, by doing that snowball effect, 20% like causes and 80% effect. That's great, Christoph. And I, I know that you have a specific passion for early stage and seed investment types. I wonder if there's any reason for this that you prefer investing when they're early, when they are premature and when they're about to grow is there something about that that really excites you or interests you more than investing in 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 companies that are probably more developed or is this is just something a choice that you made and you just forgot about it <laughs> no i think like it's 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 a big passion um so if you and i don't don't mind to invest in later stage companies right i don't mind it at all and and financially it may sometimes be even like better or equally good um i'm still like an early guy and i explain why but like let's go to the later stage the later stage they made all the mistakes in the world they survived they had all the bad teams that survived they had the wrong culture that survived they were at the wrong places they changed all that they had the wrong timing they changed it they pivot 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 now i meet them and they do everything right and yes you can write a check but you can't they don't need my opinion anymore. That's it. Right? They're good. They're champions. Mm. Right? They're, oh, we want to do an IPO. Right? Mm. Um, my company is worth like 400, 500 million. Um, and yes, it can be double next year, especially in the moments right now. And you can have a great financial return. That's amazing. But there is no, there is no other help than writing a check. Right? Mm. Okay. Back to the early stage company. They're about to make every mistake. <laughs> in the possible in any guidance so it's it's almost like if you have have that experience you want to give back and you want to help like young founders right this is completely different stories and investing in later stage so and you have to go to all the pain and and it's way more efforts so to say than just writing a check so it's like really like being an active investor uh, put a lot of sweat equity into it and and help with your team um all the startups yeah i think that even 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 though it has probably a little bit more of risk involved in in the investment it also has the opportunity to for you to get involved in any way that you can either by helping or by advising or by providing uh whatever you can and so that that's that's probably one of the things that i can relate also to the catching a wave uh, thing that you mentioned at the beginning right that it's it's your opportunity to catch a wave with them so that's probably why i mean in terms of what you're doing and your words express that interest of providing more of a 
help than a you know just just interested for the return uh, and yeah. if and, i'm right yeah perfect and that's exactly what you're saying is like the it's the innovation right if i'm like a company like eight years old and now we're doing we're going public that's exciting financially but everything is done and they they there is future there is like they can do other things but they're not building the innovation they're not building like what they already had done it right so if you look at companies like early stage you sometimes like wow i'm not sure if the world needs that but let's think about it right <laughs> and i don't have the answer to it right I, i don't but like this is a challenge right is is the world going in that direction and needs that product or that service in five years from now right? and back to spirit of time and there we really can help and that's my personal interest is like how we're moving forward especially like after um, the pandemic and what people really care and in what direction this the zeitgeist the spirit of time is going and then really excited about meeting these companies they have the answer and the solution for in five years or in 10 years while a later stage company solves the problems of today and of the last five years but maybe not of the next 10. Yeah, that's an interesting way of thinking about it, uh, Christoph. Thank you for your answer. Um, I want to roll back, circle back to the COVID pandemic, the very famous one. I'm sure that everyone here listening knows about this. Um, even we were we were even speaking about it before the episode that you know since the the pandemic uh, started, you moved to the Bahamas because it was easier. You can do it online. You can be there at any time and uh, connect with anywhere in the world. And we connecting this also with the the, the other side of. Uh, of place that you mentioned and people as two important things to uh, be there riding waves and trends. Um, now through the pandemic, you can really meet people from all over the world and you can, you know, hear the pitch of startups from all over the world. You don't really need to be in the country, right? So I want to know, my question for you, Christoph, is I want to know in what ways Did the COVID pandemic change your mind about teamwork, about people, about places, about innovation, and about the way that you you thought it was the proper way to execute leave and that you changed your mind because of the COVID pandemic? Just share with us your thoughts around around that. Yeah, I'm happy to. I think, first of all, like what, what would be a really positive changer is that early stage innovation get way more attention, right? So our early stage startups, the early stage innovation um, get more attention than ever because people all of a sudden have time, they had interest to dive in it, like apps, they may be not even ready, like um, at-home gym apps, for example, like just like small workouts app. Um, they usually wouldn't have been not even close the number of subscribers, but now like people are like, oh, I'm subscribed already to Peloton, but like what's in there for yoga, what's in there for like mindfulness, what's in, yes, this is calm, but like there's other guys that are like more specific to my needs. Yeah, they maybe just started as just a dollar per month subscription, but I think I'm going to try it out because A, I have the interest, B, I like the innovation and, and C, I have the time, right? And, and that whole thing, the whole pandemic, helped like early stage innovation a lot um, because they got the audience all of a sudden, right? They didn't have the audience before. So I think like for early stage companies, innovation, especially in sports and health tech, um, you know, the whole COVID accelerated it in a really, really positive way. And by people, by consumers and society thinking more about like, 
oh, I lost two years, how I can live longer, longevity, um, how I can live in that maybe stressful times uh, better, like how I can be more mindful with my family um, and how I can live healthier. It just was right in our sweet spot. So uh, the innovation in our startups like highly like benefit from it. And, and the team is like, and, and the team has like many aspects, right? It's like team and, and you ask like also like how it's just as our team. It's also like how, how you meet new people. Right? And I think I agree like in, in COVID, it's really easy and actually faster and more fun to meet more people, right? And people you never met, right? Like us. And it's, it's very like you, you said it in the beginning, like maybe it would be like more complicated in non-COVID times to, to meet that fast, right? Um, but that's easy now. And I think that's really exciting because this is what the startup world is about, like meeting new people, having new friendships, having new business relationships, see what's out there um, <clears throat> and, and, and creating something, right? I think on a, on a team side and, and it comes to family, if longer you know somebody, it may be like, gets harder because you used to like we just met it's exciting it's fun right now like we used to have like a 10 years business relationship we like have every monday our meetings and this and this and this and all of a sudden that's gone i think it was it's a big big challenge for a lot of organizations for startups like us not so much because we don't have this like 50 years history like others where we have every monday a meeting and every wednesday uh, it's a walkabout but it's it's definitely like for every every organization it was a challenge for the startups and so for us it was definitely positive because like we realized like wow we can't like do what we did yesterday we all have to like behave different um, we all have to like work extra hard I would say um, for the team um, so it's kind of like in, in soccer you always sudden like somebody gets a red card or no, two players get the red card <laughs> and now you have to like play the next like eighty eight minutes with uh, this is a small team and it's going to be harder, but you know, you're going to figure it out, but there was no book to it, how to do it. Um, and I'm really happy and proud with, this, with our team that we actually come out stronger than ever. Um, and so with our startups, because that's our responsibility. Is there any specific trend that you like in uh, sports tech or, or health tech that you're super excited about that you want to just, you know, drop a nugget here and say this is going to be the future for everyone listening. Go invest in that thing. Is there is there just one trend that you really love? See, like we we coming from like fan engagement was and is so big, right? It's it's and with technology it changed like fantasy, sports betting, in game betting, um, all the news you're seeing right now. We're all like super excited to go back to the stadiums, consume more like sports. This is a massive market and I'm super excited about it. But, but to answer your question, it's I see like the shift in a society and in a zeitgeist. If, if you think higher, it's like people do want to live longer now. They do want to live healthier um, and they do want to live better. Right? And if, if you think that through in sports and health technology, it's all about longevity, mindfulness, and, and and training like how I can be like how I can be an athlete at work right like I want to be like I want to be fitter than ever and I see whatever whatever startups empowering this whatever the best solution is especially in a mindfulness way and longevity um, I think this is definitely a big watch out there man 
time has went so fast in this halftime snack i'm enjoying so much listening to all your insights and all your, all your lessons and man i don't want it to end um sadly this is just a halftime snack so it's supposed to be something that people can consume uh during a halftime so we gotta let him go to the second half of the of the game uh but right before we go christoph i want to ask you a, a last and more personal question Um, and that is to get to know a little bit more of your 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 spirit, your vision, and and you as 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 a leader. So let's let's say let's put this scenario and let's say that um, I would give you a big billboard that uh, it's going to be placed uh, somewhere anywhere that you want that's going to be seen by millions of people every single day, and that that's going to inspire millions of people every single day i wonder if there's any phrase or any specific uh quote or any any words that you would put there to inspire more people and and get them to do something that you really believe in is there any anything that you would put there wow i don't want to steal the second half of the game and <laughs> um, i think it would be like zeitgeist and spirit of time And, and just put it out there and let people think about it because the Zeitgeist is really defined by timing, by the name of it. It's a spirit of time. So what, and think of, and then people go, if they read it, they're going to think, oh, is it today? Is it yesterday? Or is it in five years, right? What is the spirit of time? How I live with it? And when you define spirit of time and Zeitgeist, you're, you're quick come to the ingredients, people, places, culture. And you could put it on a billboard too. And if people think every day about it i think that they're gonna better their condition for their own business and as as humans that's an awesome way to close this episode christoph i want to thank you so much for coming to the halftime snacks taking the time and it's been a long time coming it took a few months to get a call with you but i'm so happy that we were able to do it and we were able to sit down and talk about your story your background uh lead uh, strategy growth uh development trends and everything that we touched on. I am very, very excited to share with everyone that uh, this was the first year of the Halftime Snacks. I can't wait to have you on this show again in the future to talk more about sports and technology, man. But for now, thank you so much to, for coming to the Halftime Snacks. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports, make sure you subscribe to the Sports Tech Biz newsletter. I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.